This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, we are quickly approaching the Reformation Boise Conference, September 22nd and 23rd, on the topic, the theme of God to us, the covenantal relationship of God, covenantal nature of God and his relationship with his people that just threads its way through all of Scripture. To register, just go to ReformationPoise.com and all of the talks, the speakers, all of that is there, so you can find out all that information there. If you have friends that you think, well, this might be a good way for them to just be introduced to Reformed theology or this whole idea of covenant theology, um, it's a very non-threatening way to get some of them to engage, and we would love to have them as well. Today we are going to finish up talking about gospel imbalances. So we talked about gospel fluency, the whole idea of speaking the gospel to ourselves and to others so that we might live in the fullness of what is true of us in Christ. And then we begin looking at the order of salvation, how God brings us from our predestinating us in eternity past to our final glorification. And along the way, what happens is sometimes we can just kind of focus too much on one area at the expense of others. And the key to gospel balance is to hold all of the parts together and to, to remember that all are true all the time and not to end up just honing in on one and focusing exclusively on that. And so we've gone through election and regeneration, reconciliation, justification, and adoption. Today, we want to look at sanctification and end with glorification. So we begin with sanctification. I think it's still helpful to begin with what is it, and then what does it look like if there is imbalance. So let's begin with what it is. Sanctification is the uh, lifelong pursuit of being like Jesus that commences upon our justification. You know, it's it's something that it is a, um, you know, the, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, when it asks a question about what is justification, what is adoption, it says that these things are the act of God's free grace. And then when asking about sanctification, it says is the work of God's free grace. And the subtle change there is this is an ongoing work. And that God is, over time, over the rest of our life, he's slowly whittling away, slowly changing us, slowly revealing sin that needs to be dealt with, and making us more like Jesus. And it is also a work that we are to engage in. Paul talks about running a race, and he talks about striving for a goal, and doing things in the operative power of God. I mean, 
we are to work and sanctification is that work of becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. What's the imbalance of overemphasizing sanctification at the expense of the rest of the order? Yes, I think this can result in uh, an over-realized uh, eschatology. And what I mean by that is an over-realized application of our uh, sinless state and thinking that we can uh, achieve full Christ-likeness on this side of our death or his return. And so this can be a pursuit of perfectionism in the church to the degree that we teach or apply the idea that we can become perfect in this life. We want to pursue uh, and we want to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, but we have to understand that we will not achieve that state prior to our death as our final act of sanctification or Christ's return, whichever one of those comes first. In my first church, I had a man that came from, he was a trucker, came from this background of of sinless perfection uh, being taught. He had on the wheel cover of his van printed the words of that song, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, Burgeon said it best. He only met one perfect man in his life, and he was a perfect nuisance. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, that being said, you know, I think what happens is when when you suggest that somehow you can reach that state or that, you you know, where there's this overemphasis on it, you know, on moralism and perfectionism, what happens is you, you end up not being conscious of what sin is anymore. Yeah. You mm-hmm. dumb it down in such a, a way that the real concept of sin is, you know, well, that was a mistake on my part, or right. that wasn't really sin. It's it just, you know, and so the whole idea of sin against a holy God becomes, uh, you know, somewhat, you know, we lower the standard because we couldn't ever reach this moral right. state unless we lower it low enough that we can meet it. Yeah. The interesting thing about sanctification is that as we are progressing in Christ-likeness, in holiness, we actually become more aware of how sinful we are, and not in a defeatist way, but in just acknowledgement of the truth that we are really sinful, as God reveals that, but we come to love Christ more for what he has done for us. And we can even see that in the life of Paul to a certain degree of, as he re to himself sometimes in his letters you can kind of see this almost timeline progression of he calls himself the the least of the apostles at one point and then at one point he calls himself the the least of the saints but then you know kind of the last bit later he calls himself the chief of sinners you know so there's this recognition acknowledgement that you even see in the life of paul yeah, I think to Walter Gaze's points, it becomes an overemphasis on the exterior obedience to the neglect of understanding the, the nature of our heart mm-hmm. and dealing with sin on an interior motivation level. So certainly maybe, uh, you, you know, don't smoke, don't, don't drink, don't, don't use bad words anymore, and that mm-hmm. becomes your sanctification list job accomplished. Yeah. But what you haven't dealt with is pride right. mm-hmm. in the heart, greed, man, lust. You haven't done with the interior nature of sin. And that's what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. He, like, he did away with those outward perfectionism, perfectionism that the Pharisees had, and he got right down to the heart of it. And you were talking about the logical order of salvation, but, the, but you know, our justification and sanctification aren't really separated, you know, because when we are justified before God, we are declared holy already. We, we have a positional sanctification. You know, we're declared holy. 
there is that progress. There is a now a progressive. Those who have been called holy are called to be holy. There's that progression that takes place in our life. In the epistles, there is really just one flows so beautifully into the next. The mm-hmm. in- indicatives of who we are, justification, adoption, who we are in and through Jesus Christ flows into the imperatives, but it it, it becomes cyclical in the idea that this is what we were talking about with gospel fluency. This is why we speak the truth in love. This is why we keep coming back to the gospel. We need always the indicatives as we're living the imperatives. So it's we don't outgrow the indicatives, and then all of a sudden now all we're going to talk about is imperatives. Mm-hmm. No, it's just continuous. It's a continuous circle. Um, and when you get imbalanced, then you, you, you really do get moralism. If you have... If you've ever, can't remember who published them, but B.B. Warfield, I think it was a 12-volume set. It's a beautiful set. Um, Out of that set of books, there are two volumes that B.B. Warfield um, wrote about perfectionism. I think the titles of those volumes are just called Perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And this was such a a huge concern a little over 100, 115, 20 years ago um, that he was addressing this um, at length. This idea of that I can live a perfect Christian life that I no longer sin, mm-hmm. um, and it's still around. I mean, people mm-hmm. still will advocate for that, and and what it can do is create a ton of false guilt and shame um, because then it all becomes about you, and you've forgotten the gospel um, in the midst of it. We don't have very much time left, so we have to jump in our remaining time to glorification. What is it, and how can we have an imbalance with regard to glorification? Glorification is that uh, final state that everything is marching towards where we are perfected in body and soul in the presence of Christ for all of eternity. And the imbalance? This plays into the same thing with sanctification. It's just an over-realized, it's taking the not yet and making it already um, when it isn't already, and so we, exp- so the claim is that we can experience all the benefits of our salvation now. You know, all of the health, wealth, power, complete freedom from sin's dominance in our lives. All of that can be achieved fully to its full extent right now. Um, I like what Johnson does with this on page sixteen of his book. He says this becomes shipwrecked on the rocks of reality. Along with its close friends, the sanctification movements, the reality of poverty, pain, disappointment, and struggle is where these glorification movements have terminated. You can believe this up until you begin to suffer, particularly for the name of Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, and then immediately the lie is is, uh, swept away. Mm -hmm. So as we bring this series to an end, this whole idea of balance, um, what and I'm just going to come full circle on this. This is why we we began with gospel fluency and the need to speak the truth within a community. We tend to not see our own blind spots. This is why it's important to be in a church that has elders that pastors are accountable to. So I think all of us in the room have to give an account to our elders about our sermons and what we preach, and and our elders are there to listen and discern and say to us, hey, I'm hearing a lot about this, but I'm not hearing very much about this. Mm -hmm. And so that they provide that corrective for us in community. But this is also true in our own, as individuals, as a part of a church body, that sometimes we can be imbalanced, that we need somebody else to come alongside and say, 
I appreciate your zeal for holiness. However, mm-hmm. it's looking a little bit moralistic, and I'm not seeing very much grace in it. I'm not seeing very much gospel. It's those type of conversations, and maybe you guys can flesh that out a little bit. Well, let me let me just uh, close with uh, this last few paragraphs of uh, Terry Johnson's here. He's quoting J.I. Packer. He says, false proportions in our doctrine are the beginning of a false doctrine itself, Packer warns. Gospel truths need gospel proportions. Together they form a beautiful, balanced, nuanced whole. Isolate election from the rest and expect to slide into fatalism. Isolate regeneration or reconciliation and expect the historic and objective events of the cross, what Jesus did outside of us and for us, to fade in favor of the subjective experiential. Isolate adoption and justification and expect the ethical dimension of the gospel to get shortchanged. Isolate sanctification and expect a moralistic legalism to result. And isolate and temporalize glorification and one's expectations of bliss in this world may be raised to a level that it can never meet. And the gospel will be discredited in the process. Beware of those who play a single note over and over again. And hopefully over the last several days, we've just been able to provide that balance. If you missed any of them, you can go back and just subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. And our hope and goal is to keep the gospel centered in all of its nuances and beauties and and elements and hopefully provide you, our listeners, with the gospel balance and gospel fluency that you can live out of. Thanks for listening. Always good to spend some time with you, and we will see you next time.